0: Good morning, folks. Um, I'll explain why I wanted you to watch that in just a moment. Um, but first of all, I just realized this is the first time, actually, because of holidays and sickness and stuff, this is the first time I've been down since we've been able to sing without masks, and it's fantastic, isn't it? Come on down, folks. It's great. It really is fantastic. Um, for those of you who are down here, it's fantastic to see you. Please excuse me if I rush off as soon as I've finished. Many of you will know that my wife, Alison, has just had a, an operation, had a knee replacement. And I'm going I'm to, yeah, praise God for that. It was good news. But um, I need to rush back to support her and care for her, you know, as a loving husband. So I'll go straight back uh, as soon as I've finished. Yeah, I know, I'm wonderful, aren't I? Yeah, um, before I go on to the, the reason for the video, uh, I'm going to tell you a story. And if you have been around Community Church Huddersfield for some years, then you've probably heard this story before. I've told it before. Some years ago, I I went down to a meeting or an appointment in London. Uh, It's it's going back a while now, but before then, I hadn't been to London, and I hadn't been on the London underground for years. I generally, it's just a personal thing, but I generally avoid big cities and crowds. I'm I'm not a crowd person. I feel uneasy about crowds, especially in big cities and on the London Underground and so on. It's like, I don't know, it's just like, it's, I think it's the anonymity of it, you know, just the mass of humanity passing you by, as it were. In fact, I don't know if you're old enough, you might remember a film called Crocodile Dundee from, from the 1980s, you know, where a guy from the Australian outback is kind of, for a few days, dropped into the big city of New York and he's going past people saying, watch your mate," you know, or whatever. My Australian accent is very good, so that's all I'll do. Um, but he says, um, hey, you know, I'm just here for a few days. Maybe I'll catch you over the weekend or something like that. As all of these people are going past him. And, I, and it, it's, it's the irony of that. You know, people are individuals loved by God. And yet in a crowd, it's just like one big mass. That's how I feel about it. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry if you love cities and crowds. That's how I feel about it. Anyway, the main point of the story is this. That I was on the underground and I was thinking... I'll find my way there. I know there are maps on the walls, or I'll get one of these little maps, and I'll just stand around looking for where I'm meant to be. But once I got off the train, it must have been rush hour or something, or maybe it's always like this, there's a whole big crowd of people, or I, I, and you're kind of driven by the crowd. You can't, however much you try to, I'm just going to stand here and look at the map. You're, you're kind of pushed along by the crowd. You find yourself having to go with the crowd. I literally have to, have to kind of almost fight my way to the side wall and watch... This teeming mass of humanity passed by as I'm trying to find out where should I be going? In fact, that was the same um, visit, I think, where, again, a crowd outside the the big road with outside Euston Station, and it's got different sort of islands, pedestrian islands, and the, uh, I don't know, pedestrian crossings going in different ways. And I was so kind of confused by the crowd, I literally ended up on the same side on which I started when I was trying to cross the road. That's that's how bad it was being driven along and confused by the crowds. So I don't like crowds too much. And Jesus, you know, had a had a um, mixed feelings or ambivalence, if you like, about crowds. Oh, is it not working? Does that mean I got to start again? You didn't hear any of that? Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> no, no, please, that's enough. Um, so Jesus had kind of mixed feelings about the crowds. You see, on one hand, when the crowds came to him and followed him, he had compassion on the crowds and he ministered to them. He healed the sick. He, he saw that those who, like, they were like sheep without a shepherd and so he taught them. Jesus had compassion on the crowds. He ministered to the crowds and yet he would never entrust himself to the crowds. He knew a crowd could turn in a moment. So the same crowds... That welcomed him on Palm Sunday, as it were, with the palm, you know, put the palm tree branches down, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. They were the same crowds that three or four days later were saying, crucify him, crucify him. you got to be careful with crowds. <laughs> See, this is my spiritual justification for not liking crowds. But you've got to be careful with crowds. Now, why am I saying all this? Well, We've been speaking about the importance of living with our walls down and our roots down, our walls down, being open and hospitable, inclusive and so on. But here's one of the dangers of walls down. You can end up just flowing with the crowd. You can end up just going with the cultural tide because you're seeking to be a blessing. You're seeking to, to you know, not judge. You end up just being carried along with the crowd, whichever way the cultural tide is going This is why it's so important to have our roots down as well. So important to be clear on the values by which we live. And this is the point of exile. That's why I wanted you to watch that story. We are those who are called to live as exiles in a foreign land. And the thing about exiles is, exiles are not the same as homeless people. You see, exiles have a home it just isn't here it's just not where they are at the moment their longing for and their sense of belonging is to somewhere else and for us our belonging is to heaven we are citizens of heaven of the eternal kingdom we don't quite fit in this world we're exiles and yet we're called as the video made clear to be a blessing to this world We're called to seek the prosperity of the city, to seek the well-being of our world. But here's the thing. You can't seek the prosperity of the world if you're living by the principles of this world. You can't make a difference in the world without being different from the world. We want to be those as exiles who are a blessing to the world, but we refuse to bow down to the idols of this world. Now, the answer, by the way, of the, the, to this danger of just being pulled along with the crowd is not to put our walls back up. We keep our walls down, but we we'll keep our, our roots down clearly as well. And so... I mean, last week, um, Sarah did just a beautiful job at just showing how we live openly with people who are different from us. People who may be like us, i am not got it all together yet, but we just live with unconditional love and openness and blessing to them. And she used that great example of, of Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well, you know, where he just came along with, without any sense of judgment or condemnation. But Sarah wasn't for a minute suggesting, and nor does the text in the Bible suggest, that Jesus was just saying to her, hey, you know what? Just carry on as you are. You've got five husbands, and the guy you're living with now isn't your husband. That's okay. That's fine. That's your choice. Whatever works for you. No, no, no. Jesus said, no, if you knew the gift of God. Now, just this. He doesn't talk about the Lord of God. He doesn't start putting down the rules that she should be obeying. She says, let me talk to you about the gift of God, the gift of eternal life. You see, Jesus was saying, look, I'm I'm meeting you with totally unconditional love, but I want to point you to a better way of life. For there is a way that seems right to a person, but in the end it leads to death. The writer of the Proverbs says, we want to point people to a way of life. Can I just share a quotation with you that blessed me recently? It's from a, a, well, a 20th century, sorry, a 20th century theologian called Karl Barth. I'm going to, some of his words are a bit complicated, so I'm going to simplify it a little bit, make it more accessible to everybody. It says here, the church, just like Jesus, the church, church exists to set up in the world a new sign which is radically different to the ways of the world and which contradict it in a way that is full of promise that contradict the ways of the world, that go against the crowd, if you like, that go against the tide in a way that is full of promise. The promise of what? The promise of a better way of life. And so if we're going to make a difference in our world, we have to be different from the world. And you know, Jesus taught this in so many ways. One of his famous sayings that you might remember is, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, its flavor, it's no good for anything but to be tossed away and trodden underground, presumably by the crowds, because it's lost its distinctiveness. Another time you put it like this, you are in this world, but you're not of it. Now this, folks, this, this challenge, this dilemma, this tension, which the, the, the video said at the end, that's the tension that we live in as Christians, as exiles, of being in the world, but not of it, of seeking to bless and seek the prosperity and well-being of our world, and yet not living by the principles of this world. That is, I think, one of the... It's at the heart of this Roots Down, Walls Down message. And it's at the heart of what it means to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, living in the world, and yet not being of the world. All the Old Testament stories, you know, are there to teach us. As Christians, now we understand the Old Testament stories in the light of Jesus' coming and his death and his resurrection. But they're there to teach us all kinds of things about the spiritual life. And over the years, many of us have enjoyed the different stages of the Old Testament story and learned things from it. So it may have been, for example, we've learned from the, the journeys, the pilgrimages of the, church, the, of the fathers like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We've all loved, haven't we, the, the exodus, the, the slaves being liberated from Egypt. Oh, we've all loved, we've been big on this one over the years. So I'm talking about those of us who've been Christians a number of years now. There's a whole story. And if you don't know the Bible, I encourage you to, to read it and to engage with that um, website that we put on, The Bible Project, because that will help you to understand it. You start reading it on your own, on your own without any understanding. It's a quite a dangerous book, actually. You need somebody to guide you through it. So use The Bible Project. It's brilliant. Anyway, where was I? Oh yes, a big story that we've all loved is Joshua bringing God's people into the promised land. That's been a big one over the years, hasn't it? Or how about King David? Uh, God giving him victory over all his enemies and establishing the kingdom. Or the building of the temple. I could go on. These wonderful stories that teach us things about the spiritual life. But there's a story that I've not heard much about, but I feel it's going to become increasingly important for us as the church in the Western world. And that is the story of the exile, living as exiles in a foreign land. You see, increasingly in our world today, Christians are a minority and not necessarily always an accepted minority. Now, I don't think we should develop a persecution complex, but I do think we have to make some really crucial decisions about what it means to live as an exile in this world where our loyalty and our allegiance is not to any of the crowds of this world. But only to Jesus and to His kingdom. You see, there isn't just one crowd. There's lots of different crowds, all pulling in different ways. In fact, Jesus had four different groups. It was a very religious world, obviously, in Jesus' time, and those four main religious groups. I'm going to I'm going to te- oversimplify terribly here now, and use four of those t- groups as little types of what we experience now, just very, very quickly. Um. Jesus had, for example, the Pharisees. The Pharisees were like the religious conservatives of his day. They were the kind of fundamentalists, the back-to-the-Bible types. Okay, And we've got them still around, and Jesus was very critical of them. He didn't put his allegiance with them. And then you had the Sadducees. The Sadducees were more like the kind of the liberal elite, the kind of university types, you know, who look down upon people. They don't believe in all this resurrection and all this supernatural stuff. They're far too clever for that. There's there's those kind of... you still got people like that around. Then you had the, um, the zealots. The zealots were like the, I don't know, the social justice warriors, the woke brigade of their day. They were going to pull down the powers, as it were, you know, a revolution, change the world. And then there was the Essenes, the Essenes were like the kind of we're just going to withdraw from this, we're not, going, we're not going to fight the system, we're just going to count ourselves out of the system. I know we're going to just withdraw, set up a commune, hippie like, you know, sort of maybe smoke some weed, whatever. I don't know, that kind of withdraw from the world. I'm not encouraging that, by the way, just want to make that clear. Um, but my point is this Jesus did not align himself with any of those big groups or crowds of his day, his allegiance. Was to the will of his father. This is why he withdrew from the crowd so often, to make sure his only alignment was to the will of his father in heaven. There was one time when they came to arrest Jesus, and uh, they came with swords and clubs and so on, and Jesus said, Put up your swords. He says, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my followers would fight, but my kingdom is from a different place. We don't fight, or judge, or condemn, but neither do we just go with the flow and get dragged along by the cultural tide, because our allegiance is to a kingdom that is from another place. So I'm just giving you, basically, I'm presenting to you the dilemma that we have as Christians living in exile. We, we, we're in this world, but we're not of it. We want to bless the world, but we won't bow down to the idols of this world, like, as Daniel and his friends gave us an example of, not bowing down. So how do we manage, how do we navigate that tension of living in the world but not of it? How do we do that? Well, folks, this is where I say, come back next week. Okay, <laughs> this is my teaser. I'm hoping you're going to come back next week. I'm going to, I'm going to, actually, there's no simple answer. There's no easy solution. I'm just going to give some pointers, and I'm going to give a little teaser now for you. And then we're just going to pray together because I'm aware that we did have a long video, so I'm not going to speak for too long. But come back next week or check in next week if you're online. What, what do you do? Sign in, log in, whatever do, Whatever you do. Whatever we do to get online, just come online next week or come down here next week and I will, I will try to give you some pointers as to how we navigate that tension about being in the world but not of it. Um, the teaser is this. I think, it, it, I think possibly it exists or, or one way of dealing with it is first of all is to know what we believe yeah. Yeah. but then that's not enough we need to know why we believe what we believe I think there might be another one in there but I'm still thinking i praying about it yeah so that's another reason to come next week see if I've got another one but but it's going to end with um, knowing who you believe yes. so anyway we'll explore that next week how do we navigate being in the world but not of it but what we're going to do next is simply to pray because I tell you, whatever else, you know, I can give you some pointers next week, but whatever else we need, we need the Holy Spirit. Amen. We need the Holy Spirit from heaven to lead us in this. I, I really sense, and I don't want it to be in any sense frightening or anything like that, but it's in the, in the months and years to come, it's going to be more challenging to be a Christian in this world. We're living, the sense of exile will become, that we don't fit in, will increase. We need, we need, to be those just as in our physical strength we need food and water we need to be well fed with the word of God and that's what I'm going to focus on next week what we believe but we also need to be well hydrated (laughs) by the Holy Spirit we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit which is why by the way I encourage you come and join us tonight down at the well come and drink together come and wait and worship and pray and right now we we say to you Holy Spirit we 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 can't do this without you. We can't, we can't follow Jesus. We can't live as exiles in this world without your wisdom, your strength, your guidance. We can't do any of this, Holy Spirit, without you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have come. You've been poured out upon us. We're born of you, Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, you remind us of what Jesus taught. And you lead us into all truth. So Holy Spirit, even in this moment, we just come and as we worship Jesus again, we, we just come and say, Holy Spirit, we need you. We long for you we love this world as you love it but we don't belong in this world we, our citizenship is in heaven and Holy Spirit that's where you're from you are heaven in our hearts Holy Spirit to just fill our minds fill our bodies Lord for those who need strengthening right now would you strengthen them for those who need refreshing would you refresh them For those who need to refocus, Lord God, would you help them to refocus? Holy Spirit, thank you. You are the helper. And we receive you afresh, even now as we worship Jesus. Amen.